0: It is race week for the NTT IndyCar Series as they head to Texas Motor Speedway and the XPEL 375. Welcome back to another edition of the IndyCar Show here, Burnout Sports, BurnoutSports.com. Don't forget to like and follow us on all of our social media. Check out our YouTube page as well. We had a great conversation earlier in the week with Miles Rowe, but let's bring in the man, Luke Edwards. Luke, how are you?
1: I'm ready for No Limits, Texas. Um, well, maybe some limits, Texas. We'll get to that in a minute. But always earmark this on the calendar. I usually try to throw a race party. It's one of the few race parties I throw a year at my house. Uh, so yeah, let's get it on. Let's uh, let's go out west and hopefully throw down.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about some of our favorite Texas memories coming up as well because uh, I used to love in June, it was usually a couple weeks after the 500, Saturday night race. So I do miss them racing at night. We really don't have a, a night race in IndyCar this year. St. Louis might finish uh, barely under the under the darkness, but uh, I do miss it at, at, at under the lights at Texas. But um, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, Luke. It's what's been talked about going in. It's kind of what was discussed with the test that came up last week and the rookie test is this pj1 traction compound they lay down to make the nascar series uh i guess race a little bit better and, and and we know nascar kind of controls a lot more things than indycar does it's a lot more money it is what it is anybody listening to this probably knows that uh but they are looking into a cleaner they are looking into maybe running all 27 cars um in a kind of controlled practice session with cones in that bottom lane Uh, What are your expectations for, like you said, somewhat limits Texas coming up on Sunday afternoon?
1: Yeah, um, it looks like they're looking into some sort of acid wash. Um, And then Will Power has been advocating for doing this um, full field, basically test where they force the cars to run up top on the slick surface that everyone is afraid to touch with good reason, because we've seen everyone that's touched it pretty much end up in the fence. Um, So I think you can have some hesitation from at least the car owners, if not some of the drivers there that don't want to knock all four corners off the car the day before the race. Uh, However, there was also that third option that I've seen kind of flying around, and that's that they might take some sort of chain mesh or metal metal mesh and drag it across the PJ1. Um, (laughs) I don't know what they're going to come to as far as a conclusion, but yeah single file racing is that what we really want in texas you you talk about the passing zones um it used to be the entire track used to run two three wide in the corners sometimes even four wide leading up to the corner on the back stretch it was an essential part of what this race was the no limits texas the the six shooter guns in victory lane it was all part of that pizzazz and that Kind of edgier see action where you're literally holding your breath if your driver is anywhere near another driver the entire race. Um, I really don't want to see it be a single file race because it kind of has turned into this almost Mario Kart esque deal where, uh oh, you're coming to the corner, watch out for the banana peels, and everybody just tries to dart back in line. And in some cases, it creates more dangerous situations because you get so desperate to pass at the last second.
0: Yeah, and 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 really, I think you mentioned Will Power, and I think him and Graham Rahal have been the vocalists to say, hey, we need to do this. But then none of the teams want to step up and know that there's a potential and a possibility to wad up a car and and ruin a race car. And we think back to some of the crashes that we had uh, in 2020. I think Texas kicked off the season after the pandemic, and they ended up, I think Sato in a practice session ended up in the wall, maybe even Alex Plo. I think Sato actually sat that race out And then Rosenquist going for the win over Scott Dixon, his teammate at the time ends up crashing out as well. So um, I don't know what they need to do, but, but I'm with you. I want to get back to some good racing where it's not just the only, the only passing zone is the dog leg on the front straightaway or the backstretch. We saw a lot of guys throwing blocks from, from pretty much the wall down the backstretch all the way, you know, into somebody's RV there in the infield. So race control is going to have their hands full this weekend and, I don't know if you got to go back to the days when we were in little league and you literally brought the john deere uh riding lawnmower out with like the fence behind it like you said but i really hope that 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 something happens to where it, it you could stay too wide in the corners and you can make those moves because um uh, we have seen some daring moves but you're on edge because it's like going up there and being on ice skates um basically for these cars so hopefully they figure something out that's still to come once they get to texas and arrive there on friday morning but as always um you know there's there's a lot that goes into a race weekend and i think of utmost importance this weekend luke is where you qualify the last six winners of this race all started inside of the top 10. the last four winners started inside those first two rows um, you know pit selection and such, but but how important is it this weekend, Luke, to qualify up as far towards the front as you possibly can?
1: Absolutely, I think you got to be in those first uh, those first three rows. So in your top six is where you're probably going to find your winner, short of all of them having some sort of calamity in the pits. Um, so I think number one priority is qualifying. It's going to be kind of like a Formula One weekend where you've got to tune into qualifying um see how your favorite driver does and then second to that is pit stops because this entire race is going to be all about track position um i think if anyone pits in the top 10 i hope that broadcast booth hones in on it make uh make light of the pit crews these guys could be the real make or break moments in the race you can have your heroes right there changing your tires and fueling your car um and like you mentioned before, I think you were talking about the blend line and you saw some action there last year as well, because you're trying to get up to speed and, uh, and get back up on that banking too. So yeah, those are the two things I would be looking out for all weekend is qualifying position and then how your pit crew is doing. Yeah. Pit crews and spotters
0: certainly don't get the credit that they deserve. I mean, I know the driver, the first thing he thinks is the team, but But of utmost importance this weekend, because as you mentioned, that blend line coming out on the back straightaway just off of turn two, you know, we've only seen an average. We we only saw three cautions in race two last year. The last five races have had an average of only three cautions. So, like you said, it could come down to fuel mileage. We are definitely going to see green flag stops. Can you get in, hit your marks, and get out, and then blend with somebody charging behind you? Because You you know, as a driver, and obviously I've never done it before, but I can only imagine when you're in that car and you're coming off pit road, you know that you're in the lead and that guy who's in second or is is charging hard off too, you're going to push it. Um, Race control is going to have their hands full this weekend um, because as we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of blocks that that, that happen. And a lot of those come and just defending your position because you're not quite up to speed after merging back after a green flag stop. So, so much to look for coming up. This weekend down in Texas. Uh, again, we'll have you covered here. Burnoutsports.com. Uh, follow our Twitter handles, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube if you don't mind. All right, Luke. Uh, rookies. Let's break down the rookies in the field coming up this weekend. I know everybody is excited to see Oval rookies in Jimmy Johnson and Roman Grosjean. Um, a rookie has scored a top 10 finish in four straight Texas races. Um, obviously, McLaughlin had a second attempt, uh, but it was had a double weekend of top tens last weekend, or excuse me, last year. Uh, The rookies this this weekend, who are you looking to impress the most?
1: Well, I mean, all eyes are going to be on Grosjean and Johnson, who's going to come out on top. And I've been kind of researching a little bit of their team experience. Obviously, Grosjean has a lot of good uh, data under his belt with Andretti. But looking at Jimmy Johnson who has won at texas seven times granted in a cup car but it's got to carry some moxie to have your name on that victory lane and you look at his teammates you have tony Kanan, who won a race there in 2004 and then with a second place finish in the second race of that same year clinched the championship um you look at scott dixon i mean in 23 starts Scott Dixon has five wins and I want to say 10 top tens. And he's completed well over 90 percent, 93 percent of the laps at Texas. So he not only knows how to win, how to stay up front in every type of Indy car there. Um, He's won twice in the current formula with the Aero Screen cars and and the Turbo era. Um, He's won three times. Um, So. I just think that experience in that pit box is going to mean so much between the two of them. And we've seen a lot of IndyCar drivers um, or, or IndyCar competitors that have come from NASCAR full time, learn how to handle an IndyCar and oval pretty quick. Um, Almost at a surprising alarming rate, like with Kurt Busch and the 500 maintaining position in the top 10 in uh, 2014. Um, So, You look at that, you look at the experience with Kanan and Dixon helping out him. I think think he's the guy that's going to surprise a lot of people there.
0: Yeah, and 27 cars on the entry list coming up this weekend, as we know. Ed Carpenter returning to the cockpit for the first time this year, and the first time in the number 33. Um, Obviously, Tatiana Calderon is not running, so J.R. Hildebrand, it was announced earlier this week. Um, but as we mentioned, the importance of pit boxes that this is going to be, um, uh, a crammed up track, I think with 27 cars out there, you gotta be patient Luke, because if you're, if you're a leader and you, as you mentioned earlier in the show, if you're in the top five, top six, it's pretty much where you probably stay all day, uh, importance of patience to be able to get through traffic. Because I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, lap traffic come up and be a factor for the leaders this weekend.
1: Yeah, this is going to remind us, I think, a lot more of a Phoenix IndyCar race. Uh, Pick your era, because Phoenix has always been about weaving your way through the lap traffic. Can second place hunt down first place, going around lap cars? So communication between the spotters is going to be key. Uh, Communication and hitting your marks, like you said, not only in the pit lane, but also getting down out of the groove is going to be really important and uh you mentioned ed carpenter racing this is the first time outside of the indy 500 that they're going to have three cars so what is that going to look like are they going to be spread thin is the communication and the uh and the execution going to be there for all three of them to be successful we know connor can be pretty strong on an oval ed obviously strong on ovals uh Renus too Renus has been running up top and uh uh, he's fully back from his injury, as we pointed out a couple times. But, yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's something to look for.
0: With Texas this week, as we mentioned, um, there has been rumors that this could be the last race down there. Uh, Milwaukee has kind of emerged as maybe a replacement. Do you think that this could be the last time we see IndyCar in Texas?
1: Man, it does kind of feel like a farewell, doesn't it? It almost feels like a send off that none of us wanted. Um, I think so. And one of the trends that I've been noticing on social media lately, if you follow, you know, your favorite teams and drivers, so on, um, you typically kind of get your answers uh, in between the lines. So one example would be when they did the polls and all the teams and drivers participated and they were like, what? tracks do you want to see on the schedule and an overwhelming amount all said Milwaukee you had team owners Bobby Rahal um, saying Milwaukee you had uh, uh, I think five or six different drivers say they wanted to see Milwaukee back on the schedule I don't think that's a chance thing I don't think that's a coincidence I think that's their way of trying to get people hyped up And I don't have any insider information outside of reading the writing on the wall. They're trying to put that out there. I saw something similar with Miller High Life brand hyping up Scott McLaughlin. You don't see that coming from official verified accounts, sponsors, teams, drivers, etc. Unless there's some sort of smoke to that fire. Um, With that being said, what do you think about losing Texas and replacing him with Milwaukee?
0: Yeah, I don't think the racing was as great in the early 2010s at Milwaukee as is, is what we had saw. I don't know if it was because of the new car, um, but but I would say this, Milwaukee's a, a great track. It's a historic track. It has always been a very popular track for IndyCar. You know, you got to look at, does it take away a little bit from some maybe fans going to Road America? I think it's about a two and a half hour difference um road america is more north than milwaukee you know and, and somebody asked me this and i actually found out you know why can't they run the indycar race the same weekend as the state fair so if you've never been to milwaukee it is on the fairgrounds where they have the wisconsin state fair every year and i was told that they don't won't do that because the sound of the engines scare the livestock uh that are there for the state fair so they will not do that um, but I would love to see Milwaukee back, but I would love to see Michigan back. I would love to see Kentucky back as well. You know, just those tracks that I went to as a kid. I, I love Milwaukee, you know, when Andretti kind of took over there and Ryan Hunter Ray was dominating and and they had Sun Drop sponsorship and RC Cola sponsorship and GoDaddy was sponsoring that. Um, it, it wasn't the best of race and fans just didn't show up. And, and, and we've talked about this on this show and, you could talk about it when it, you know, it's it's kind of the, the the devil's advocate when you talk about bringing more ovals to the schedule. Is fans simply have to show up? So let's wrap up a little bit of Texas on a more fun note, more exciting note. Give me some of your favorite memories of the past uh, for IndyCar Texas Motor Speedway.
1: I'll start with the more recent one, and that was uh 2016. The battle for the win between four people, you had Pagano, you had Hinch, you had Rahal, and you had Kanan. So you had four different drivers from four different teams. And just the sheer amount of contact between those guys at over 210, 215 miles an hour actually slamming into each other was just remarkable. Loved to see it. Um, and then Ray Hall ultimately coming out on top. Ray Hall's always very strong at Texas, at least how Texas used to be, um, when you could run different lanes of the track and work your car into a, a groove that suited your style. Um, another big one for me, I talked about it a little bit earlier, was Kanan clinching the championship in 04. And he had that reverse 7 Eleven paint scheme, that green, yeah. red, and white deal, um, just edging out uh, uh, Weldon, his teammate. Um, to win the championship, and they finished one two in that championship that year. So, those were my two favorite drivers back in the day. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, honestly, when Sato tried to pull that move in the dog leg in uh in 17, where he decided, well, I'll stick the uh, I'll stick the left side wheels into the grass here to make myself a little more room and shot into Dixon, um, <laughs> it wasn't a good memory, but. I mean, we were jumping up and down and screaming because it was kind of building up for lap after lap. Just the chaos was too much to contain. Um, again, back to that those no-limits days. Um, mm-hmm. I know you have a, a few special memories of, of Texas as well.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, Thomas Schechter is 1-0-5 in a Pennzoil Platinum car, especially coming off of the disappointment that they had at the Indy 500 where... They were taken out by danica under yellow i was a huge thomas Schechter fan Uh, i've mentioned a few times it's kind of where i got my start in writing was his website um but that night that he won in texas he hold on gave me as a gift these gloves these are the gloves that he wore if you can see them these are the gloves that he wore that night uh and it's funny because and i'll tweet this out um on at tony D Indy. there is a full onboard camera of that race of Schechter, and it goes you know i was like okay you know you could watch it over and over and over but what was fascinating for me was the camera still rolls when he does his burnouts he does a he does an extra victory lap he brings it in victory circle so uh i was really excited for Schechter. then obviously Ed carpenter's win but you just think about just just the shootouts at texas for lack of a better word down the stretch and Um, You know, Hornish's win when he had the American flag on the back of his or on his on his engine calling uh, was was a great memory as well. So hopefully we can uh, continue to talk about Texas and this won't be the last race uh, there for IndyCar. All right, Luke, I know this is something that you have been wanting to talk about. And we've kind of dove into the rumor mill a little bit on where, uh, you know, silly season almost already starting. For 2023, Colton Herta, uh, the news with McLaren F1, he'll get a test. Uh, your initial thoughts on 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 this move between Zach Brown uh, and and Colton Herta's camp uh, to get him into a cockpit, hopefully by season's end.
1: Well, right off the bat, just look at where we've come in IndyCar racing in the sport. We weren't talking about great IndyCar drivers or winning IndyCar drivers getting a chance to run an F1. We haven't talked about that since, what, Juan Pablo Montoya, and that was during the split era. So um, pre-split, you're looking at Jacques Villeneuve. This is huge. I mean, if IndyCar drivers are getting noticed by F1 teams, then F1 fans are noticing IndyCar. Um, And they have for quite some time. The racing is better in IndyCar, quite frankly. We'll have to see this Sunday how how the new car helps F1. But really, as far as this move, you're looking at, I think, a a kind of a friendship between Zach Brown and Michael Andretti, who have worked together before in 2017 with Alonzo and McLaren as they started making their foray into IndyCar racing and had a good shot at winning the 500. Um, It's putting Colton in a, in a position to get his super license points to be eligible to run in formula one. And it it unfortunately kind of puts Pato seemingly a step back. Um, They were going to use those FP one opportunities to try to gain um, him a spot. To try to get him a super license, and he needed, I think, a few more top three finishes in IndyCar to, in addition to that. So, is he essentially taking all that guaranteed FP1 time away from Pato Award? It kind of looks like it. Now, does that mean that McLaren is going to be looking at Herta? That I'm unsure about because you also have Andretti kind of vying for a 2024 formula one debut with their own team
0: yeah and and then the dominoes start to fall for indycar you know it's like okay is rossi going to be leaving at the end of the year and if if pato is gone does he move over to mclaren does that open up a spot for somebody like kyle kirkwood to take over is maybe christian rasmussen ready to go or maybe even maddie brabham as we saw who um won the first lights race so so there is a lot that i think uh comes down and 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 honestly this is kind of the first domino to fall a little bit because as you've mentioned before there's smoke there's fire andretti wants to go to formula one i think gambridge wants to back that as much as they can and gambridge wants colton Herta uh to be in that car i mean i'm sure it'll be a two-car operation and you mentioned this too i think on the last show luke is do they take Rojan with them? So there is just so much that kind of goes into this um, that as IndyCar fans, I think we all feel the same. Like, hey, we don't want to see Colton go or, or Pato go, but, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, you know, hopefully there's a lot of success that comes, especially for Herda, because we haven't seen an American have a lot of success in Formula 1 in the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years, if not longer. And with that being said, too, it's like, okay, you can always come back and run another 8 to 10 Indy 500s. These are very, very young guys that are going to go make this jump. So you have to make that jump if you get the opportunity to do so. All right, um, this this came down earlier this week to Luke. NBC will have post-race coverage on Peacock. Um, You preached about this, I think, in maybe the opening episode of being able to show the podium being able to show the celebration, interview more drivers. They listened to you, Luke. Uh, your thoughts on Peacock now having a little bit of a post-race show. It looks like it's going to be somewhere around 25 to 30 minutes.
1: It was obviously all me, so you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, it it just it, it doesn't make any sense to have any sporting event Like what sporting event have you ever watched where you watch the teams go to battle or the, the players go to battle. Somebody comes out victorious and then you have a loser and then it's just golf. I mean, it's just bizarre to me that we thought that this was sustainable and that it was allowed to go on for so long. Um, Yeah. I want to not only hear from the winner, but I want to hear from second place. I want to hear the guys in the booth, break it down. Like it's, only as big of a deal as you make of it. If you ran the Indy 500 and had the same sort of coverage around it, eventually it would start to not seem that big of a deal as generations passed on and new generations came up. So if you make a big deal about winning a race or losing a race, that means that it matters. Just like showing the podium, I can't tell you how long. I'm getting flustered even talking about it. How many years before I even worked in the sport, I was like, why do they not make a big deal about Victory Lane? Why do they not make a big deal about the podium? And then you might see a picture of it later on individuals' social media channels. Beats me, but hopefully they do it right. Hopefully they make it big, and we can really feel the amount of effort and relief and elation that comes with victory in IndyCar racing, the same way that we do in every other sport that's half as dangerous and takes half the courage that this does.
0: And I hope for the sake, and maybe this is just me in a personal preference, but uh, and, and I don't think it's, it's happened yet, but please, if you win a race, any IndyCar drivers watch this, if you win a race, do your burnouts because burnoutsports.com likes to cover that. But also go straight to victory circle. I I don't like the NASCAR. The guy gets out of the car and goes grabs a checkered flag and they do an interview. Then they grab an interview five minutes later in victory circle. I think I like to have that pure emotion. First time out of the car, your crews around you celebrating. But but yeah, as you mentioned, great for great for Peacock. Um, it really makes if you didn't already think it was a value at five bucks, which it certainly is. Um, it brings more value to. Um, your purchase. I hope they don't jack the prices up by four or five bucks because of this. And I hope that fans will tune in. I hope that this means that fans will pay for Peacock and then tune in to watch this because, you know, everything is watched from directors, from executives, the series, NBC Sports. They're going to look at the numbers and say, "Okay, this was worth it for us. Let's continue to do this. Or, "Ah, you know what, kind of like ovals, people didn't show up after they said that they were going to and wanted to. Um I was at St. Pete, went to the post-race press conference and I would like to see that covered as well. I mean Will Power had uh, some great quotes on some things. You can go back and listen to that. We won't get into it, but there is still a lot that goes on after the race and as you mentioned, you know, I don't want to see them get preempted where they you know cricket run or lo- lacrosse runs late and then all of a sudden like, oh, well, hey, we're going green because so I, I just hope the timing works out with the with the broadcast windows. It didn't as much as it should have last year, but kudos to Peacock NBC Sports for making this happen. All right, a guy that you were with here recently, um, somebody that everybody knows has a new book out called The Checkered Pass, is Al Unzer Jr. He was on the Dale Jr. download. He talked about his struggles um, w- w- with racing, got very in-depth. I thought that it was a great conversation because, you know, Dale Jr., Al Jr., they know what it's like to have to perform in their sport with having their dad be so successful. Um, but I just thought it was a great conversation. He was open and honest. He's obviously been in some trouble in the past. It seems like things are, are, are going well for Al um, but just some of your reactions to what
1: he had to say and where he is today—that we're all very happy to see. Well, yeah, I was just with him tonight um, and Christy Lee. Um, so we did a speaker series at the museum. It's one of those things where uh, it, you do get a member benefit. It's a little bit cheaper to go as a member, in other words. Um, but yeah, we had a we had several people show up. Uh, actually fairly robust crowd showed up um everyone's eager to hear about his book and i'm sure that the book like he said is kind of therapeutic for him um you know holding all that stuff in and keeping everything private when you're struggling with things in my own experience you know it can it can make it a lot worse so this tell all book that he wrote with jade gers who also wrote the beast book on the 1994 mercedes ilmore secret engine that won the 500 which is a book I'm in the middle of right now. Great writing, mm-hmm. um, it's getting rave reviews. I haven't gotten a chance to even get my hands on a copy yet. I'm gonna do that as soon as possible. But uh, yeah, on the Dale Jr. download, you know, he he really kind of dove into his personal life. And what I really liked were his insights into his childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Just talking about the contrast of going from living like a king with his mom, but he wanted to race so badly. He had that fever so bad that he went and lived with his dad so that he could do that. And his dad put him to work. You know, he didn't Mm -hmm. give him any time to rest. No idle hands. Um, And then just kind of leading up to his struggles, which really came to fruition after his fame. And then um, as he talks about after the getting bumped out of the 500 in 1995, he said is where it really kind of took hold and, and started going downhill. Um, But it was great to see him. He's in good spirits now. He's got a he's recently married. So he had uh, his new wife and her family out with him tonight. Um, It was just good to see him. And and I told him, I hope that we can do some more stuff together soon. Um, He's always around town. So yeah, yeah, really good stuff.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad to see he's doing well. I mean, he was I was the kid that had the Al Junior shirt on and he threw me his hat there uh, when his return came in two thousand for that five hundred, I believe. And you know, I've talked to Al many times. So actually we did a walk around the museum together for when I was working in radio and we did a video and what like you mentioned that he gave insight of this child that he told me that in seventy and seventy-one, he remembers going to the local movie theater and they played the race on closed circuit television uh to be able to watch that so so it's great to see that he is 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 coming face to face with the demons that he's had uh he he's growing he's moving forward and uh, i think he's got a birthday coming up um at the end of april so uh check out the book if you would like but yeah um and he's doing some stuff with some up-and-coming drivers so great things for al jr and Maybe Luke will have to get him here on the Indy Car Show podcast. All right, I kind of want to merge these two together, if you don't mind. Everybody in the world just blows up my DMs and and, and other peoples in the world to know what the Carb Day concert is going to be. We do know this: uh, hy V's Super Weekend going to be awesome. Two races, two hundred fifty and three hundred laps. Uh, Gwen Stefani, Florida Georgia Line, Tim McGraw, and Blake Shelton are going to be performing um you know but IndyCar fans love to bitch they're always gonna bitch about something and they don't (laughs) like the prices being so high to go to a race um but 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 I like that they're doing something that you know they see that sometimes in the past I just talked about a 10 minutes ago with Milwaukee people don't show up uh so we'll just see what it does but but i like having these big name concerts involved in racing and if blake shelton who's got like 30 billion twitter followers and instagram followers tweets and posts about that holy crap how is that a bad thing i'm sorry that 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 jim over in speedway had to pay an extra 25 bucks for his ticket i understand that times are tough and gas is really expensive but you know These corporations, these sponsors, they want the most of their value uh, and the money they're putting into it. So I am totally okay with this. Um, Your thoughts on just high V kind of stepping up and bringing a super weekend and bringing some uh, brand name, I think, recognizable figures to perform concerts and be there and take it all in.
1: Yeah, we talked about the whole is B2B the right way to be for IndyCar? um uh, i guess it was about a week and a half ago on the last show and V is really standing out as that front runner that's like listen we can still do the tried and true method of getting these people's names out there getting the athletes names back in the public eye like they have the cardboard cutouts everywhere all over their stores keep doing it just keep doing it and now we have social media so yeah bringing these uh, I, i do have one question is gwen stefani married to blake shelton
0: yes 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 i believe they met on That's a one shame, of those
1: <laughs> i mean well, I, I was she really was married uh, my to... hopes were up to meet her
0: well you could still meet her you just might have to you know pick your tongue up i just off can't marry around. her that yes but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I also yeah and and obviously i think um blake still does a show on nbc and gwen's on it i don't know i don't watch that kind of stuff but yeah but i love it look I think that they're going to blow it out this year for Carb Day. I've heard rumors of KISS. I've heard rumors of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Either way, those—I don't know why I said it that way. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Either way, those are big names. And I think that the Speedway is going to have a huge name on the Carb Day concert because they've already moved that, that Saturday concert down to a different venue downtown, which I think is great. Helps a lot of the workers, the track people that clean it up that are there you know oh we're going to give you this big concert and then oh by the way you're going to go home and sleep for four hours and come back and it's the biggest sporting event uh in the world so so i like what they're kind of doing i hope that means it's going to be a bigger friday afternoon when it comes to carb day but everybody all the time luke i'm sure you get it they always mention oh what's going to be the carb day concert who's it going to be uh we will see the Bell 375 coming up just after 12 30 eastern time on sunday We'll have you covered here, BurnoutSports.com. Don't forget to check out the latest show, well, the one before this, which is with Miles Rowe. Uh, We appreciate his time. That was a great conversation. If you haven't caught up on that, be sure to do so. Luke, give them your Twitter account so they can follow you throughout the weekend as uh, we follow along this race coming up on Sunday.
1: Yeah, my brand new Twitter is uh, Luke Edwards Indy. Same with my uh, Instagram as well. So I'll be active on Twitter during the race. Be sure to give me a follow. Don't look at my follower numbers yet. It's like it's really sad. We're getting there. We're getting we'll there. Get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. It 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 takes time. That is for sure. All
0: right. Thanks again for listening to the IndyCar Show here, BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards. Enjoy the race coming up this weekend.